Okay, so let's pray and get started. Father God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your grace that you have given us another day. And Lord, we thank you especially for this time to come together and to learn about your spirit, about the Holy Spirit. And Lord, we pray that as we spend time here that you will send forth your spirit so that he will fill us, he will illumine us, and he will open our hearts, he will open our minds, that we will learn from you and that we will get closer to you in our walk with you, Lord. Father, we pray all, all this in the name of Jesus, your Son, our Savior. Amen. All right, so this is week two of knowing the Holy Spirit, and I'm sure I see a lot of familiar faces from, from last week. Um, so let's get started. All right, so as I said, this is week two. Last week we did the identity of the Holy Spirit, and we will do a little bit of a recap from last week for those of you who are not here. Uh, but today we'll, walk, we'll talk about the works of the Holy Spirit, and then next week we will talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and the following week living in the Holy Spirit. So we will touch on gifts a little bit today, but we will talk about it more next week and the following week. And of course, as I promised the last week, we will also talk about uh, blasphemy of, uh, blaspheming the Holy Spirit. All right, um, so quick recap. Why, do we need, why are we studying knowing the Holy Spirit? The Bible talks about the Holy Spirit, and this was in last week's notes. Um, if anybody needs it, let me know, and I can give you a copy of it. There are many misconceptions of the Holy Spirit, and we need balance. The Holy Spirit is either neglected or given disproportionate attention in churches. We need balance. We need to know who the Holy Spirit is, and we need to live in the Spirit, the Bible commands us, and Christians cannot live without the Holy Spirit. And we will see that a uh, little bit today, and also next week and the following week. All right, so quick recap. Part one, we did who is the Holy Spirit. Anybody who is the Holy Spirit? Uh, where's Chris Morse? Chris? Okay. <laughs> All right. Anybody else? A person. a person. And I think, George, you said he is God. So, yes. So, the Holy Spirit is a divine person. So, if you want to uh, sum those things together, we looked at two characteristics of the Holy Spirit. He's a person and he is God. Right? He's not a force. He's not a thing. He's not an energy. He's not some spooky thing. He's not a genie in a bottle. Um, so he's a person and he is God. What is his relationship with the Father and the Son? Anybody from last week? Sorry, Louis, say that loudly. Coexistent and co-equal. Co yes, so he is co-equal and co-eternal with the Father and the Son. Um, two more things that we looked at last week. Okay, so he is distinct in personhood, but one in essence. He is God. He, sh 
he is God and there is no, there's nothing less in him than deity, than God. But he is distinct in personhood. He is not the Father, he is not the Son, but he is the Spirit. In personhood, he's distinct, but in essence, he is one. There's one other thing which I did not add over here, which we spoke about. He proceeds eternally from the Father and the Son. We spoke about that briefly towards the end last week. And uh, sorry, I did not put that in the notes today. Um, okay, so this was part one. So today we will be talking about the works of the Holy Spirit. And again, there are so many things that we can talk about. And I had... Um, Uh, no. So I had a six-page handout, but I didn't want to kill trees. Um, so I have put a reference to where this material can be available at the back, at the very bottom of page two. Um, I will post that after the class today, so probably later tonight. And uh, also the recording will also be posted at that website. So if you are interested, and we will be talking about this resource as we go over different slides, but... Again, I have a six-page handout, which I don't want to print out and give it to you guys. If you're interested, uh, look for it on that website. Okay, so first thing, the Holy Spirit acts, it's a question. Does the Holy Spirit act um, independent of the Father and the Son, or do everyone, are they dependent? What do you guys think? Oh, there's the answer. <laughs> okay, bad, bad question. Um, so in every divine act, all three persons of the Godhead act inseparably. And what do I mean by that? They are not independent. They are united, and it's not that one person goes off and does something which the other, three, other two people are like, uh, I don't care about that. Uh, Jesus, you can go. You can go to the earth, and you can live a good life. You can uh, keep the law, fulfill the law. You can die on the cross. You can be raised again. The Holy Spirit like, I got nothing to do with it. That's not the attitude, right? So in everything, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all work together. No action is of only one person. And we will look at some examples. There are in your notes, but... When we talk about the works of the Holy Spirit, you have to remember that even though we say it's the works of the Holy Spirit, it's the Godhead working in that particular act. Okay, it's the Father, it's the Son, and the Spirit. And there are different roles. Each one takes a different role, but it's all three of them acting in that particular act. And the different roles do not mean that there is a hierarchy. Okay, just because the Son is doing something doesn't mean the Son is lower than the Father. Or just because the Spirit is doing something else doesn't mean that the Spirit is lower than the Son or the Father. They've taken up different roles. I mean, typically when we look at our human institutions, if you have an organization, you have the manager or you have the CEO, and then you have the employees who are doing different roles. Right? And in a human institution, there may be a hierarchy. The CEO is definitely higher than a manager, and the uh, employee is definitely, sorry, yeah, the, lower than the manager. So there is a hierarchy, but in the Godhead, 
there is no hierarchy. Even though they are doing different roles, there is no hierarchy. Okay, because each one is God. So there cannot be a hierarchy. And this is sometimes called as Trinitarian harmony. Okay, and uh, like I said, we will look at some examples, but again, I, um, all three persons work together and there is harmony in everything they do. Can you give me a ver verse which talks about um, the harmony? I and my father are one. Lenny, you're not allowed in the class. <laughs> <laughs> so in John chapter 5, Jesus says, the Father and I are one. And that is in respect to the work that they're doing. He says, the Father is working, and so am I, and the Father and I are one. So with relation to every work, the Father and the Son and the Spirit are together. They are doing all things as uh, inseparably and uh, no one is doing it by themselves. All right, examples. Uh, I think in your notes, did I, is that a blank or? No, it's not. Um, let's talk about creation. Um, without looking at your notes, can you tell me how all three were involved in creation? Anybody? No? Yes, Dale. Yes, let's create man in our image. Good. Any anybody else? Yeah, John one in the big everything was made through him, and without him, nothing was made. Um, anything else? Going back to Genesis. Spirit of God was hovering over the water. So you have. Um, The Father speaks the word and the Spirit is hovering, right? So you have all three persons involved. Um, incarnation, the Father sent the Son. So many times you see Jesus saying, the one who sent me, the Father sent me, the Father sent me. The one who sent, who, who the Father sent. But who incarnated? It was not the Father who incarnated. It was not the Spirit who incarnated. It was the Son who incarnated, who took on flesh, who took on human form. Philippians 2, right? He humbled himself and took on human form. It was not the Father, it was not the Spirit, but all three were involved. How was Jesus conceived uh, within Mary? By the Spirit. The Father sent, the Son incarnated, and the Spirit, uh, Mary was conceived by the Spirit. Salvation. This is... Um, Sometimes, sometimes this thing gets tricky because we look at the Old Testament. It's like God is not loving, and I've had people ask me the question: How can you have? How can you say it's the same God in the Old Testament and the New Testament? Well, it's a different question, and we you, know, you we can talk about it all day. But if you look at what Jesus said, John three sixteen. What's John three sixteen? For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. That, he, that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. It's the Father who gave the Son. The Son came on the earth and he uh, died and he attained our salvation. So what does the Holy Spirit do after that? 
Is it just the Father and the Son? No, the Holy Spirit is the one who regenerates people, the ones whom Father has chosen, and he is the one who makes people born again, John 3, right? So Jesus said, you have to be born of the Spirit. So it's the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Any questions? So the Father planned, the Father sent Jesus, and the Father is the one who loved the world that he sent the Son to attain salvation for the ones he loved for the world. And it's the Spirit who applies the salvation, who regenerates the people of God to be born again. And he's the one, and like Jesus said, you have to be born of, be born of the Spirit. Um, what about resurrection? This is not in your handout. What about resurrection? Was it just Jesus? Was it just the Father? Was it just the Spirit? What happened? Yes, Rick. Very smart, Rick. Very smart. How? Okay, fine, I, fine, fine, fine. All, all, all three raised Jesus from the dead. I mean, you, you see, in, in, I don't have the verses right now with me, I'm, and I'm sorry about that. Maybe I'll put it on the website. Um, we read in the New Testament, God raised Jesus from the dead. Kevin, do you know the verses? <laughs> never mind, never mind. Do you know the actual verses which talk about God raised Jesus from the dead? Um, Romans 6. And in John, actually, uh, I think it's in John 10, Jesus says, I lay down my life and I raise it up again. Right? So, I know. <laughs> Acts 2.24, God raised Jesus from the dead. And then in Romans 8, we see the Spirit of God raised Jesus from the dead. Right? If the same, it's the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead that is living in us. So it's the Father, the Son, and the Spirit all three working together. So there are no actions, there are no uh, things that happen in creation that all three are not working together. Although they take different roles, but they're still working together and the different roles do not mean hierarchy, okay? And I have another one here, Providence, and that's your homework, figure it out. All right, so that is how the Holy Spirit works, in unison with the Father and the Son. Okay, so let's look at how the Holy Spirit acted in uh, the Old Testament. First, of course, we spoke about it, which is creation, um, when everything was made, Genesis 1, Genesis uh, 1, 1, 2, and 1, 26. So you have references where every, uh, all three, the Holy Spirit worked. Judgment. So uh, when you come to Genesis 6, um, the Father says, I, God says, um, the, I, the Spirit will not remain or contend with humans forever. Um, sorry, I don't remember the actual verse, but that's the gist of it. Um, and also in Isaiah 34, 8, and 16, uh, 8 to 16, I don't have this verse in your handout, but you can... Um, 
You can go back and read that. It will be this, through the Spirit that there will be judgment. Isaiah 34, 8 to 16. Um, the Spirit works in, worked in judgment. Deliverance. I think this is a very common theme that you see in the Old Testament. Um, can anybody say how, where, deliverance, the Holy Spirit helps in delivering people? Yes, Louis? Say that loudly, please. In the Psalms where the Spirit brings David peace in times of trial. Where Spirit brings David peace in times of trial? Okay, George? In Judges, you see in Judges, uh, Lenny? The Passover, yep. Um, yeah, I don't know if there's a specific reference, but again, yes, the Holy Spirit was active in that. But Judges, the kings, the rulers, you see that the Holy Spirit came. Samson, right? Think about Samson. The Spirit of God took over him and he had incredible amounts of strength and he just destroyed the Philistines. Was it the Philistines? Yeah, it was the Philistines. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he dest destroyed all of them. You see the same thing with all the judges. You see um, kings and rulers, which is my next point. Uh, maybe I should get Okay. Um, so leaders and rulers. You have the spirit on Saul. You have the spirit on uh, David. You have the spirit on leaders and rulers. So the spirit was active in the Old Testament also. It's not like we don't hear about the spirit in the Old Testament and all of a sudden we come to the New Testament and we have the Holy Spirit. No, the Holy Spirit has been active throughout history and throughout everything that God has done. What about prophetic revelation? How did the prophets get, speak the word of the Lord? Every reference at the beginning of their, of their visions and prophetic is the Spirit of the Lord. It's the Spirit of the Lord, right? By the Spirit, they were prophesying. And we'll look at that a little more. Guidance and understanding. You have many references in Psalms where you see the Spirit, uh, Psalm, Psalm 119. If you read Psalm 119, there are so many things about the Spirit open, uh, giving guidance, giving understanding, and teaching the law, uh, understanding the law. So there's a lot of works of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. However, the Holy Spirit was also active in other people. Just because you have the Holy Spirit on judges, kings, rulers, and prophets, it doesn't mean the Holy Spirit was not active in the other people. People were obeying. People were offering sacrifices. People were... Thank you. Where's my play button? All right, so. Sorry guys, give me one second here.
Okay, all right. Um, all right, sorry about that. So the Holy Spirit was also active in other people, right? The people are believing, people are obeying, they're offering sacrifices, and there is the work of the Holy Spirit in all of those actions. But one thing that is important in the Old Testament to note is there is a promise of an unprecedented outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Right? You see this in Joel 2. You see this in Isaiah, uh, sorry, uh, Jeremiah 31. And you also see in Ezekiel. There's an unprecedented, there's a promise of an unprecedented outpouring in the New Covenant. Again, I, as I mentioned, I have two pages of handouts for the, work, for the references in the Holy Spirit, uh, references to the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. And again, I will make that resource available at the website at the bottom of your pages, um, and you can look it up. I just didn't want to kill trees. All right, so let's come to the New Testament. Oh, yeah. Okay. New Testament. So we see the Holy Spirit in the incarnation, and then you see the Holy Spirit in the ministry of Jesus. Everything that Jesus did was undergirded by the Holy Spirit, including resurrection, as we spoke about. Right? The, if you look, uh, as soon as Jesus came and got baptized, you see the Father and the Spirit coming in, ascending on him like a dove. And the Father is speaking out, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. What happens immediately after that? Anybody? Yes. Yep. The Spirit sends Jesus. In fact, some uh, translation, it's a very strong word. The Spirit drives Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted. Okay. And then Jesus gets through the temptation and then he comes out and in Luke chapter 4 what happens he goes to the synagogue he opens the scroll of Isaiah and he starts reading the spirit of the Lord is upon me and then he closes and he's like here you go this word is fulfilled as you sit and listen okay? and then everything even the works that he does that Jesus does the healing and the casting out demons he does it by the power of the Holy Spirit and then the Pharisees, they're like, he does it by the power of Beelzebub. And he's like, watch out, be careful who, uh, what you talk about. Because if you blaspheme against the Holy Spirit, week four, um, it, will not be, uh, it will not be forgiven. Yes. Okay, so everything he does is by the power of the Holy Spirit. But not just that, Jesus actually promises the Holy Spirit to his followers. You have John the Baptist in Luke 3 and in Matthew uh, 3 also, where he says, I baptize you with water, but the one who's coming after me, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Okay, there is a promise of the Holy Spirit. And then Jesus talks in John 7, rivers of living water will flow from you. And again, that's a reference to the Holy Spirit. And then in John 14, he says, the Holy Spirit will be in us. And
And then what happens in Acts, uh, you have the Pentecost and then the Holy Spirit is poured out. That is the fulfillment of the promises. So what happened in Acts as Peter stands up and says, what you see now is the fulfillment of what Joel spoke. What did Joel spoke? Spoke about how the Holy Spirit will be poured out in the new covenant. And it's a fulfillment of Old Testament prophecies. It's the fulfillment of John the Baptist's words. And it's also the fulfillment of Jesus' promises. So we're just going through how the Holy Spirit has acted in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. And then we will see um, how, we, how he acts in us today. So the outpouring of the Holy Spirit was definitely the inauguration of the New Covenant and also the birth of the church. All right, so we looked at the Old Testament and we looked at the New Testament. How do you compare what happened in the Old Testament to what happened in the New Testament? Yes, Lenny. Yes. So what Lenny said is um, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was given, would be given for a particular, he'll come upon somebody, but in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit is given to be in us. And I think that's the first point. Permanent presence instead of temporary anointing, right? The Holy Spirit is in us. He doesn't come upon us like how he came upon the judges and then on Samson or on the leaders and after, for a particular task and then after that uh, he doesn't indwell in them. But in the new covenant the Holy Spirit indwells in us as a uh, permanent presence. Again indwelling rather than close proximity. He's poured out on all believers not just the leaders. right? He's poured out and uh, on Jesus, we can see that he was with, without measure in him. I think it's a reference in John 3, I believe, um, that in Jesus, he was poured out without measure. In the New Covenant, in the New Testament, it's for both Jews and Gentiles, not just the Jews. And we're living in the age of the Spirit. I think I want to take a few minutes over here. Oh, 928. Um, and talk about the difference that we are living in right now. It's the age of the Spirit. It's the new covenant. We have the Holy Spirit living in us. Okay, um, It's just different than how, what Lenny was talking about. It was for a specific task. The Holy Spirit was given, and then the Holy Spirit was not permanently indwelling on them. And Jesus also said, it is better for you that I go away because you will have the Holy Spirit, because if I don't go away, the Holy Spirit will not come and live in you. Right? So... We have to realize how much the Holy Spirit is given to us. He's given to us, and we'll see in the next week and also in the week after, but how the Holy Spirit is indwelling in us and how he enables us to live in, uh, in accordance to what God wants us to do. Kevin?
So just, I don't know if every, was everybody able to hear for the sake of the recording, what Kevin was saying is that the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament was in the temple. The temple is where God's presence was and all the works in the Old Testament, the justification, the sacrifices, everything happened around the temple. But in the New Covenant, in the New Testament, we are the temple and the Holy Spirit dwells in us and we are sanctified, we are justified and all of the works that used to happen in a temple in a particular spot in the Old Covenant now happens in us because the Holy Spirit indwells in us and He is permanently in us, those who are uh, Christians. All right, so, and again, just adding to what Kevin was saying, this is a big deal. And again, as I mentioned last week, we're not gonna be out of this class knowing every single detail about the Holy Spirit, every uh, theological doctrine or everything that is there to learn. This is a very high level introduction, but these truths are so huge when you think about it. And think about what God did with respect to the Old Covenant to the New Covenant. And we spoke last week about the Holy Spirit being given as a down payment for us, right? And this is going back to the covenant that God made with Abraham. It's the same thing. I mean, usually in covenants, there are two parties, both of them walk together. And the symbol is they have the animals that are severed. And they say, if I don't keep my end of the covenant, let what happened to the animals be done to me. But in the, with the covenant with Abraham, God walked alone. So he was taking on the whole work upon himself. It's the same thing when you come to the New Testament, the Holy Spirit is given to us as a down payment. And what happens when you don't come through on your down payment? You lose your down payment. And if God does not come through on his promises, there will be a severance of in the Godhead, which cannot happen, right? So that is why God's promises are sure and they will be fulfilled because God has given us the Holy Spirit who is indwelling in us as an assurance, as a down payment. Okay, so that is a huge difference when you look at the Old Covenant and the New Covenant, and that is what the Holy Spirit does, and that's how He acts in us, by indwelling in us and living out through us. And I would definitely encourage all of you to go look into this more and to study more about the differences, and there are a lot of good resources. All right, so this is meant to be works of the Holy Spirit class, so let's look at uh, just some works. In creation, we spoke about creation, um, how he is present. Prophetic ministry. So there are verses over here. Can somebody read Second Peter 1.21, please? Every prophetic utterance was uttered by the power of the Holy Spirit. Scripture. So when you come to scripture, yes, there was prophecy, but there was also what was written down. And when you look at scripture, there are three aspects of scripture, and those are in your notes. The first one is revelation and inspiration. It was the Spirit of God which revealed the word of God to the people who are writing down. 
right? And they were inspired by the Holy Spirit. Um, can somebody read 1 Corinthians 2.10? For to us, it was uh, the Spirit revealed God. Yeah, it was revealed through the Holy Spirit. Um, so scripture, the first part is the revelation and the inspiration. And again, in 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is inspired by God and breathed out by God. Um, the second part, instruction, illumination, and affirmation. affirmation. Uh, what this means is the words are written down but how do we understand what the words mean? It is the Holy Spirit of God who opens our hearts, who opens our minds, who illumines us, and he gives us the understanding of what those words are. I have some uh, verses jotted down for you. You can go back and read again. Uh, Tom, if you're still in 1 Corinthians 2, can you read 13, please? Which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, Yep, we are taught by the Spirit. Again, remember, illumination, there are a lot of things that you could talk about illumination, but illumination always happens when there is, a word, when there is the Word of God. Okay, without the Word of God, there is no illumination, um, but because the Holy Spirit takes the Word and opens our minds, gives us understanding, He illumines our minds to understand the Word. And the last part is uh, utilization. Written down uh, Ephesians 6:17. It is the passage from Ephesians which talks about the armor of God, and it says that the sword, that the word of God is the sword of the spirit. Right, the spirit helps us to use the word when we are in different situations. Remember Jesus when he was being tempted. What did he say? He said, "But it is also written, man shall not live by bread alone." but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. That's how the word of God is used in situations of our lives and by the Spirit. Salvation. Um, we saw about how all three are working in salvation, but the Holy Spirit specifically in salvation, his work is to regenerate the Christians, the, those who are called by God. Okay, and again, verses, I have the references, John 3, 5 to 7, where Jesus talks about you need to be born of the Spirit. Titus 3, 5, that's a very uh, important verse to talk about how the Holy Spirit works in regeneration. So go back and read that. We are running out of time. So I'm going to rush through this, these last few slides here. Baptism. Uh, as I mentioned, John the Baptist promise that we will be baptized in the spirit when Jesus comes. So again, next week we will talk about baptism, um, but I'm going to give you the verses for now and we will talk about it next week. And sealing, again, Ephesians 1, 13 to 14, where the Holy Spirit is given as an assurance, as a down payment, and that is all part of salvation that God enacts in us, right? He saves us, he fills us, and he keeps us. It's all an act of God. All right, sanctification. Um, 
part of keeping us is the sanctification. And again, we are sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Um, indwelling, the Holy Spirit indwells in us. Uh, you can look at the verses and the Holy Spirit. We are filled with the Holy Spirit. We'll talk about it a little more next week when we talk about the baptism. And also, we produce fruit. Sanctification is where we are transformed and we are uh, conformed more to the image of the Son. Right? So the Holy Spirit takes away the old and he starts working in us and, and uh, sanctifying us so that our um, human, our flesh nature is put to death every day. And then we are transformed and conformed more to the image of the Son. Service and gifts. Um, that's another important work of the Holy Spirit. The first point to remember is all Christians are gifted. Okay? All Christians are gifted in one fashion or another. It's unlike the Old Testament where you had certain people who were leaders, who were judges, where the Spirit of God came, gave them uh, special gifts to carry out special works. Uh, Bezalel, if you remember in the building of the temple, Bezalel was gifted to build out the whole temple, every single detail that God told Moses. All of that was carried out and Bezalel was the main architect. Okay, again, I have those references in the handouts which you can access on the website. The other part is we are given gifts according to God's will, not according to human will, but according to God's will. It's the Spirit who gives the gifts, and He gives whatever gifts He chooses based on His purposes and His will. Okay, we are given gifts by God's will. Gifts are given for the edification of the church. We'll talk a little bit more about this next week and the week after but the gifts are for the edification of the church, for the corporate body. There are a variety of gifts. Not everybody has the same gift. Not everybody has all of the gifts. People have different gifts. Some have gifts that others don't, and others have gifts that others do, whatever. Um, so it's a variety of gifts, but again, it's all given according to the will of the Holy Spirit, will of God, okay? Just because you see somebody and like, oh, that person has that gift, why don't I have that gift? God did not choose to give you that gift, but that doesn't mean you're not gifted. You will have a gift, and God will use that for the edification of the church, of his body. And finally, the gifts that are given by God are irrevocable. Okay, again, remember in the Old Testament where the Spirit left Saul and left him and then went away from him? But in the New Covenant, the gifts of God are irrevocable. If you're a Christian, the Spirit of God dwells in you and the gifts that he brings are irrevocable. All right, any questions? We have three minutes. All right, um, so let's conclude then. So we looked at how God is active. It's not just one person acting, but it's all three persons 
acting together in harmony, in unison, bringing about the works that they plan to accomplish on earth. Okay, the Holy Spirit is active in a different role compared to the Father and compared to the Son. But again, the different roles do not mean that one is inferior to another or one is superior to another. Okay, they all work together, they've taken different roles. The Spirit indwells in us, different than what happened in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament. The Spirit transforms us and conforms us. That is the primary work of the Holy Spirit. I mean, if you look at John 14, again, I have those references here in handouts. If you look at John 14, he, the, the, Jesus gives you so many things that the Spirit will do. He will come and He will convict the world of sin. He will remind you of things that I have said and so many other things. All of that is to transform us and to conform us to the image of the Son. Right? Why do we need to know what Jesus said? So that we can live accordingly. Right? Why does the Spirit have to convict us of our sins? So that we can repent and live accordingly. And again, Romans 12, 1-2, we are transformed by the renewing of the mind. Um, with sanctification, this is something that I did not include. The Holy Spirit uses the Word of God to sanctify us. You can write it down. The Holy Spirit uses the Word of God to sanctify us. And the context in which this sanctification happens, there is one aspect which is our personal life, where we have our personal spiritual disciplines, but it's also in the context of the body of Christ, in the church. So it's the Holy, the Holy Spirit uses the Word of God to transform our lives personally and also to transform our lives corporately. The Spirit intercedes for us. Romans 8, 26. Where when we don't know what to pray, the Holy Spirit prays for us and through us so that we can ask God for His, um, His help. And finally, let's be filled with the Spirit. We will talk about it more next week and the week after that. Um, I apologize for the confusion with the slides. It threw me off here because I had some notes written down and I'm not able to see it, but we got through it. Any questions? Any questions? Lenny. Um, I think there was one council on the deity of the Holy Spirit. I don't remember. It was not an ecumenical, ecumenical council, uh, but it was more, um, there were some smaller councils. And I know that there was one. I don't remember off the top of my head right now. But mainly defining the Godhead was done in the Council of Nicaea, the Council of Constantinople, Chalcedon, where uh, you spoke about the nature of Jesus. And again, the Holy Spirit was also included in our creeds. Um, there was one council, probably um, uh, Toledo, Council of Toledo, 
which spoke about how the Holy Spirit is given to us. So this is going back to the procession that we spoke about last week. Previously, or even now, the Greek Orthodox or the Eastern Orthodox, they do not accept that the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son. They only accept that the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father. But the difference on the Eastern and the Western Church is uh, the creeds on the Western side, they say that uh, the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son, which is biblical. Um, but that was the Council of Toledo. All right, let's pray and we will close. Lord, we thank you again for this morning. Thank you for giving us this opportunity to look into how you have filled us and how you have poured out your spirit upon us. And Lord, we pray, Holy Spirit of God, work in us, work through us, sanctify us, and help us to glorify you in everything that we do and use us to fulfill your purposes. And Lord, we pray that you will also bless this time as we go into worship. Uh, into service that you will uh, speak your word and that we will be illumined by your word and that we will be transformed more and more and conformed to the image of your son jesus we ask all this in the name of your son jesus our savior amen, amen. thank you thanks Jai. sure